Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Growing up, did you have something that brought you comfort? Did you have something that was sort of when you were scared or whatever, whatever as a little kid? Something that sort of was, was that one thing that no matter how scary that moment was, you knew it was going to be okay? Was it maybe a blanket, a stuffed animal? Maybe it was your nightlight, like every night that had to be on. And as long as that nightlight was on, you're going to be okay. What was it for you? What brought you comfort? What got you through those moments that were scary? You see, because as a kid, you didn't know what anxiety was, but you knew what scary was. For my kids, they all had blankets. They called them night-nights. My little sister, I remember she had this huge stuffed animal called Bigfoot. But what was it for you? And at what point in life do we go from something that is good that brings us comfort to something that's not? I remember just a few weeks ago, a few months ago probably, when I was laying in my bed and I remember my heart started pounding. I remember my heart feeling so heavy like it was going to explode in my chest and and wondering, am I having a heart attack right now? I remember this moment of total anxiety and really freaking out with things that are going on in my own life. Thinking about my family and all the things that were going on in family at that time. Thinking about my kids and school and what is that going to look like in in the future as as so much was unknown in that moment. Thinking about our finances as a family and and how are we going to pay for all the different things we need to pay for. And then thinking about my work and my job and and all the things that were going on with church in that moment and where are we going to meet and when are we ever going to meet and and the anxiety of, of everything that was going on with coronavirus and all the political and all of the the racial and all those tensions that were happening. And then knowing that I had so many friends and family that were just struggling with all the topics and more. Knowing I had friends who lost jobs. Knowing I had friends whose marriages were struggling. Knowing I had friends who just were so worried and anxious. And as a pastor, you bear so many burdens. And I remember that night laying there in bed about to have a panic attack. And I remember being so worried and anxious. Have you been there? Have you been at that moment where you just feel like the world is closing in and you don't know what to do next? You see, when we get older, we move from, we move from something that gives comfort to something that dulls our pain, don't we? But what do you do? What do you do when the anxiety of social media, the anxiety of news, the anxiety of your your work conversations, the anxiety of financial struggles, the anxiety of your marriage, the anxiety of family, what do you do when all those things pile up and your anxiety is through the roof? Experiencing anxiety is not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when, isn't it? Wouldn't you say that's true for all of us? It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. Now for me, something I've learned is when anxiety comes, God's comforts always follow. But that's something I've learned as a believer in Jesus. That when anxiety comes, God's comforts are always there to follow. So I ask you, Where do you go when your anxiety is too much? 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I, I know that this is a, a message and this is a topic that so many of us struggle with. We all struggle with it in different ways, in different forms, in different shapes. And it's just something that some of us are, we have great tools and, and good ways of working with it. Others of us, it's unhealthy. So Lord, I pray that today as we sort of unwrap this and as we look at this topic, topic of anxiety, Lord, that you would guide us, that you would strengthen us, and Lord, that you would help us to know that you are faithful and that you are true and that you are somebody we can depend on. And Lord, I ask, God, that you would um, just guide us today. Lord, that you would be our strength and that you would be our hope. Lord, that you would bless churches all throughout the valley. Lord, wherever people might be gathering, wherever people might be watching, Lord, that you would bless your people. God, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, bless us at City View in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, my name is Jeremiah. I'm the pastor here at City View Church. And we're in the series titled, We've Lost Jesus. And we've gone over topics like we've lost Jesus in social injustice and just the social sort of things that are going on, whether it's politics or injustice. We, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Then we talked about how we've just lost Jesus in life. We talked about how we've lost Jesus in relationships. We talked about how we've lost Jesus um, what did I talk about last week? Let me, I got to think right now. We've lost Jesus. When it comes to end time stuff, that's what it was. This week we're looking at, we've lost Jesus in our anxious thoughts. And if you're anything like me, sometimes anxiety can take over and nothing good comes of that. For many of us, anxiety is winning the battle of our minds and our souls. It's winning. It wins every day. Every day, it's just a matter of knowing when it's going to happen, not if it's going to happen. It's just, that's just what we know. We know that those anxious thoughts. So what can we do to combat the anxiety when it comes? I'm going to share with you a few things that I do. The first thing, besides going to God, I'm going to get to that. But one of the things that I do, I see a counselor. I do. I, I see a counselor. His name's Dr. Bob. That's who I go to. I go to Dr. Bob, he texts me, asks me how I'm doing, and I'm able to go and, and sit in his chair and talk with him. He's a Christian counselor, a Christian therapist that is able to help me process things and think through things and see reality. That, 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 that's what he helps me do. So for some of you, it, it's not going to just be a matter of whether you pray enough or whether you read the Bible enough. Some of you, you're going to need to get some more help. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. We are a broken people who need healing in our minds and our souls. And God has gifted people, just like he's gifted doctors to fix our bodies, he's gifted counselors to help with the mind and the soul. So getting a counselor, there's nothing wrong with that. If you need a good one or you need recommendations, reach out to City View Church. We would love to help you and love to guide you down that way. So that's one of the things that I do. But what I do first, what I do first of all, now I haven't always done this, but what I do now is as a, I've been a believer now for, I don't even know how long, over 30 years. And one thing I've learned that is the best thing in my anxious thoughts is I go to God. I go to God in prayer. It's that habit 
It's, it's that knee-jerk reaction that, that I have. It's, I have an anxious thought and I'm like, God, I'm worried. God, I'm freaking out. Does it always help right away? It doesn't, but that's where I go. I don't go to a bottle. I don't go to those other things. I go to God. It's, it's, but it's a habit that I've had to create. It's a habit that I've had to put into my own life. It's something that, that you have to sort of change how you think and where you go when everything seems to be freaking out around you. You've got to work on what do I go to. You've got to identify those things. So for some of you, it's a matter of before we even get any, lo- any more into this, you've got to identify where is it I go when I'm anxious? Where does my mind go? Where does my thought go? Do I go right to my computer? Do I go right to frustration? Do I go to a bottle? Do I go to drugs? Do I go to pornography? What is it that I go to? And when you identify that, then you need to get somebody in your life that can help you go to something better. Now, there's a lot of things that you can go Google what's better than going to alcohol or what's better than this. And I remember I would listen to one guy speak about creating new habits. He goes, when you have that urge of going to the bottle, grab a piece of chocolate. That's great. But man, I've done that. And mine necessarily wasn't chocolate. It was a bowl of ice cream. That adds up. And now I'm trying to work off all that ice cream that I've eaten. Because that sometimes could be a comfort thing for me. But see, what I've worked on is going to God first. And I think one of the best ways of going to God is getting God's Word stored in your mind, memorizing God's Word. Now, I'm not going to go into all the importance of memorizing, but that's something that I've done. There's certain verses that I've stored in my mind. When I was in college, I had a professor named Bob, or actually it was Brad, both a Bob and a, a, a professor named Brad. And one of the things Brad Lambert said was, he said, guys, the more of God's Word you store in your heart, the larger the vocabulary God can use with you. The more of God's word that you store in your heart, the larger the vocabulary God can use with you. So that means when you're going through those times of panic, when you're going through those times of worry, when you're going through those times of stress, when God's word is stored in your heart, God can then speak those words to your soul and to your mind and bring your anxiety down. I remember I was in college, probably 19 years old, sitting in the back of of the lecture hall and this, this guy comes up to speak and he reads this verse, Psalm 94, 19. I remember the first time that I ever really heard or knew this verse. It was the first time I'd ever heard it in my life. I don't know if I've ever, I had ever read it up to that point. I was probably 19 years old, sitting in this room, anxious about so many things. And the things I was anxious about, paying for college, and am I gonna find my wife here at Calvary Chapel Bible College? Those were my worries, those were my concerns, but those were real worries and real concerns, and my anxiety was crazy. That's what I was worried about. The professor gets up, or the lecturer, he says, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 94, 19. So we turned there. And that's where I ask you to turn today. On your phone or wherever it's going to pop up on the screen here. And if you've never memorized a verse, I want this one to be maybe your first one. And the writer says, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your comforts, your consolations, delight my soul. I love the honesty of this verse. 
I love the honesty of this whole chapter, Psalm 94. And in Psalm 94, it comes from a place where the writer is overwhelmed. They're at a place of being attacked by people, whether it's personal attacks or physical attacks. I don't fully know. They're at a place of feeling alone. They're at a place of having so many questions about life and the struggles. And God, why are these things happening? They're at a place of needing justice. They need justice in their life. They feel like they have been treated unjustly. Can you sympathize? Have you been there? Have you been at that moment where you're so overwhelmed, you feel like everything is caving in around you? That's where this writer is at that moment when their anxious thoughts are multiplying within them. And it says earlier in that, in verses 17 and 18, it says, if the Lord had not helped, had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. He says, pretty much he's saying, if God had not come and rescued me, I would have died. Now, we don't know if, if he would, this person was going to take their life. We don't know if this person was going to all of a sudden be attacked and killed. We don't know if all of a sudden this person's anxiety was going to go so high that it was just their life was going to be over. We don't know. But what we do know is that if the Lord had not come to help, they said, I would have lived in silence. And he says in verse 18, when I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, helped me. His steadfast love. The writer of this psalm was at this place that so many of us have been, this place of being overwhelmed and anxious with every possible thing. And he says there in verse 19, when, not if, my anxious thoughts come. He doesn't say if. There's when my anxious thoughts come. This is the reality. Anxious thoughts come, don't they? They come. And sometimes they come out of nowhere. You're having a great day. You're having, everything seems to be going exactly as planned. You're walking with your family or you're out with your friends and you're doing, you're having a great night doing whatever you're doing. And then out of nowhere, bam! Have you ever had that where an anxious thought comes? Your mind just goes somewhere and somehow you get fixated on these things that you didn't do or something that might happen. And all of a sudden the anxiety starts to build. Have you ever been there? Because I know I have. It happened to me this last Sunday. This last Sunday, I, I was, I was, I preached first service and then I get ready to preach second service and all of a sudden the anxiety in me starts to build. I had no reason people came to know the Lord last Sunday. There were, we saw people do, God do great things last Sunday, but all of a sudden my anxiety out of nowhere in a place where things are good, the worship sets good, people are happy, we're seeing a ton of people come to church, lives are being changed, out of nowhere I get anxious thoughts. Have you been there? Because I know I have. The writer says, when my anxious thoughts come. The writer of the psalm knew this. You see, remember, experiencing anxiety is not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when. Here's the reality. Anxious thoughts, they don't come in once. They multiply. Don't they? They multiply. It seems like anxious thoughts, if, if you're anything like me, it's like you have two and then they go to four and then they go to eight and then they go to 16 and then they go to 32 and then they go to 64 and then they go to 128 and then they go to 256. That's as far as my math is going to go right now. But do your anxious thoughts go like that? Do they build like that? It never is just like one. You're like, oh, I'm so worried about what am I going to have for dinner? It's always like two and then they go into four. Is that, 
how, or am I the only one that's weird like that? And I'm okay if I am. If I'm the only one that that's how anxiety works, fine. But th that's, that's for me. And that's also for this writer. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, not addition, not percentage, but multiply. When they multiply within me, your comforts delight my soul. Your comforts. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Psalm 139, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Isaiah 35, verse 4 says, Say to those with an anxious heart, Take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Here, each person, these are three different writers, and they say, anxiety is a real thing. Anxiety is real. But for this writer of Psalm 94, when your anxious thoughts come, remember this. This is a truth we can hold on to, Psalm 94, 19. When your anxious thoughts come, God's comforts always follow. When your anxious thoughts come, God's comforts always follow. What is it about God's comforts that delights this person's soul? What is it about it? I thought about that as I was putting this sermon together, putting this message together, I was thinking about this first. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, I get that. Your comforts delight my soul. Your comforts. And I started thinking, what does that mean? Your comforts delight a soul. So I looked up that word comforts or consolations. It means to look at or to consider or to think of a person or to, to think of their office or their authority or their, the, 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 what they've done for you or their righteousness, the, the intercession. When it's coming to God, it's thinking about all the th how God is exalted, how God is glory, glorious. To look at them in all of who they are. And it made me think of, of my kids. And when my kids are, are worried and when my kids are anxious, that they can look to their mom and they can look to their dad and they can see in us that we're not worried, that we're not anxious, that we have it under control. When, when they have a nightmare, when they come into a room, they know that they can come to a place that's safe. So for them, it, it's, if you can get that idea, when their anxious thoughts multiplied within them, their mom and dad's comforts delighted their soul. Do you understand that? Like that, that's, that's this place that the psalmist, as they wrote this psalm, they understood that, okay, anxiety is real, but God, your, God, your comforts are so much more real. See, this is where my mind goes to. It's, it's that place of, okay, God, I'm, I'm worried and I'm anxious, but God, I can go to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in afflictions 
with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So this, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, God, your comforts delight my soul. This comfort, Paul wrote in, in 2 Corinthians, God, your comforts are still delighting and you are the God of all comfort. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the affliction is, no matter what's going on in our life, God, you can bring comfort in that. In that. God wants to bring comfort when our anxiety is overwhelming. Remember this. Experiencing anxiety is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's just the truth. You've got to admit that. You've got to come to realize that. You're not going to conquer it. it there's never going to be a moment where you don't have those anxious thoughts all of a sudden. And sometimes those anxious thoughts are good. It's like when you're in that fight or flight mode and all of a sudden you've got to grab your kids. You have those anxiety is just part of life, but it's what you do with it after that is key. When anxiety comes, God's comforts always follow. You've got to remember that. You've got to remember. There is nothing that God's comforts cannot heal. So what do we do when anxiety comes? You know, I've shared with you a few things. I, I, I have a counselor that I go to. I go to God's word. But how does that even look? What does that look like? What, what are some things, some practical things that, that we do, that I do, how does God's comfort delight my soul? Here's, I'm going to give you five things that God's comforts do. He comforts us through his presence. Through his presence. You know, and as I think about through his presence, there, there's something about the presence of a loved one that cares for you. You know, my kids, when they're in my presence, they, they are comfortable. They know they're safe. They know they're provided for. They know that somebody's there. My youngest, even still now, like there are times where he doesn't want to go upstairs by himself. And, and I'm, I'm like, but as nobody else is up there, you're safe. The lights are all on. But daddy, will you come with me? Because my comforts, my presence delights his soul. You see, and just like I am with my son, God is always with us. Throughout scripture, we see this truth. Genesis chapter 26, verse 24, the Lord says to Jacob, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. God says again in Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, he says, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. Psalm 139. If you're looking for something to read this week, maybe you're new to the Bible and you don't know where to start. You're like, do I start with the Bible like I start with any other book, start at the beginning? You could start right here. Psalm 139 and just read this every day be a great passage. I'm going to read to you a few verses. The writer says, David says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise, you understand my thoughts from far away. And then jump to verse seven. David says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed into Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the most remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will hold, of, hold, 
will take hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are alike to you, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. So how does God bring comfort? By being in His presence. His presence brings comfort. Second thing, how does God bring comfort? Actually, before I get there, I want to make a point. Where you go in your anxiety will decide how you get out of that anxious place. If you go to something unhealthy, you're going to stay trapped in the anxious thoughts. But if you make going to God, it'll be a whole lot easier to get out of that anxious routine, that anxious cycle. The second place, the second way how God comforts is He comforts through His promises. There are so many promises, and, and when somebody makes a promise, it's important that they keep them, right? There are some people that we can't trust anymore because they seem to always break promises. God never breaks a promise. All throughout Scripture, God has made promises to us, promises of bringing justice, promises of, of, of committing to us, promises of establishing His people, promises of, of wiping away every tear, promises of conquering death, promises of, of bringing new life. God makes those promises to us. Throughout Scripture, God talks about the promises that He makes. In Psalm 49, or Psalm 40, verse 29, He says, He gives strength to the weary. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been weary, tired, worn out? It says, God gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, God increases it. I have been there. I have been in those moments where I have nothing left, and God gets me through. And I know there's some of you that you're watching and you are brand new to God. Just this, other, just this week, I took my son to work out. It's his first time ever working out of the gym. And I'm teaching him how to do a bench press. And he was ready to give up. He was weary. And what I did is I was there right behind him spotting him. And I said, okay, Judy, you've got two more. And I gave strength. I helped lift that bar to the weary. One, two. And we racked it. And he finished the set. God gives strength to the weary. He does that in our life. He does that. It's a promise that he makes to us. You may say, but how does he do it? Where do you go? You see, if God is not part of your life, then you know what? God can't give you strength. I'm I'm just going to be honest. If God is not part of your life, if God is not an integral part of your life, then everything I'm saying right now will not be true to you. 
I don't know. I can tell you you could go to a, a, a counselor that's going to give you good words. I can tell you to stop drinking alcohol. I can tell you to stop doing drugs. I can tell you to stop going into relationship after relationship. But the reality is, if Jesus is not the cornerstone of your life, nothing I am saying is going to help you. Nothing. The reason why these things are true and good and helpful and everything I'm going to say is because God is the center and the anchor of my life because he's proven himself to be true. He is faithful. He's never let me down. And I, 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 and you can say, but Jeremiah, you've never lost somebody. I have lost people in my life that I don't think it's fair. I have been hurt by people in my life that I don't think is fair. There have been things that have been done in my life that are not fair, but that doesn't change who God is. We live in a broken world with broken people that do bad things that God hates. But God sent a savior to fix broken things and he's fixing me. So God gives strength to the weary. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you and he will be with you and he will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Joshua 1 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you. Proverbs 3 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways and how you live in all of your ways, acknowledge him, make God first in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It's a promise. He will guide you. And I have seen that countless times in my life how God has guided me step by step by listening. And I'm going to get into more ways of how God brings us comfort. He brings us comfort through his presence. He brings us comfort through his promises. He brings us comfort through people. I ask you, what are the people around you? Who are the people in your circle? Are they people that are going to point you to God or away from God? Are there going to be people that lift you up or tear you down? Are there going to be people that are going to cause you more anxiety or help relieve your anxiety? What are the people in your life? Because God wants to bring people in your life that will bring you comfort because he's putting it in them. That's what God does. God uses people to bring comfort. God uses people to delight our soul. I can't tell you how many times God has brought somebody, whether it's a text or a conversation where somebody had with me and I was in an anxious moment and because God used them, God's comforts delighted my soul through people. Moses in the Bible had his brother Aaron. I can't tell you how many times my brother Matt has brought comfort to my soul. Now, he's just a natural happy guy, just who he is. For him to be negative or down, I, it's just next to impossible for him. So he is like, the grass is always greener for Matt. It is, there's always rainbows and butterflies and sparkles and unicorns everywhere in Matt's life. And so I, I, he, he does that. He, he refreshes my soul. David had a guy named Jonathan who was the son of his enemy. You never know who God is going to use in your life. But David had Jonathan. Paul had, had somebody that he had actually poured into, a guy named Titus. Titus was somebody that, that was able to encourage Paul. And then Paul talks about in, in Colossians chapter 4, 
Paul lists off a name of people that he had served alongside of. People that he had been in ministry with that brought him comfort. Some of you, you right now are sitting alone, sitting at home. And maybe it's because of coronavirus and you're, you're not ready to come out. And I get that. But some of you, maybe it's just a matter of you just haven't gotten out of your house yet. Maybe you've gotten into this comfortable routine. Some of you, maybe it's just coincidence that you're watching today. But I ask you, who's in your circle and who are your people? And if you actively are going to church, whether it's City View or another church, I ask you, who's your people at church? Are you serving on a team? Because that was Paul's people. Paul's people weren't these random friends that he could text. It was people he served alongside him. It was a team of people like being on a security team or being on the city kids team or being on our media team or being on a worship team or being on our usher team or being on a hello team. This team of people that he was able to serve alongside of and, and he was able to just say, guys, I'm struggling today. And they rallied around him. They came around and said, we're going to fight this with you. That's God's comforts delighting your soul, knowing that when you take that hill, you're not going alone. So who's in your, who's in your circle? Who are your people? What do you have? God comforts us through his provision. So through his presence, through his promises, through people, through his provision. You see, God wants to provide all of our needs. They may, may not be all the needs that you think you have, but it's all the needs that he knows. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he, meaning God, has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness, so the power of Christ may dwell in me. Because God's grace is sufficient for me, Paul says. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you blessings until it overflows. Trust God. God's going to provide for you. Some of you, you might be wondering, why is my money so tight? Are you trusting God with your finances? Are you giving faithfully to the church? Are you trusting God with, with what he's given you? Or are you like, God, I want this, but God, I need you to provide. And God's like, but I have provided, but you just keep throwing it away. You don't even trust me with it. It reminds me of a story where I have my dad, I was, I was a little kid and my dad, I said, daddy, I need a dime. And I'm at, we're at a bowling alley and, and my dad must have been a bowling league or something. And daddy, I need a dime. So he gives me a dime. And I come back, I'm like, dad, the dime won't work. Give me another dime. I must have only known what a dime was. So my dad says, no, show me what you're wanting to do. My, and my dad goes and he says, okay, give me the dime. But you see, I didn't want to trust him with it. I'm like, no, dad, make my dime work. And my dad knew you need a quarter. I'm going to give you the quarter, but you got to give me the dime. So how many of you are holding so tightly onto the dime when God wants to give you a quarter? God says, I want to overflow it, but God, make my dime work. God says, no, I want to give you a quarter, but you got to give me your dime first. 
You see, God, he wants to comfort us with his presence. He wants to comfort us with his promises. He wants to comfort us with people. He wants to comfort us with his provision. And the last thing is God wants to comfort us with his power, with his power. You see, God's power is something that I think and I know we all need. And I don't think we, we remember and we always look to as something we depend on all the time. I think God's power is something that we only look to when we want it in that moment. When we're out of strength. When we're out of any other ideas. You see, it's when we are at our weakest that God is able to be his strongest. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 says this. It says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, all who are worn out, all who have no more power. And God says, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, in this, there's, in this idea is these two oxen plowing together and God saying, let me be the stronger one for you. You're bearing a burden that's not meant for you. Let me be your strength. Let me be the power you need. You see, I think one of the biggest reasons our anxiety is so high is because we try to do everything without God. And when we do that, anxiety goes through the roof. God says, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all of your cares Cast all of your anxiety, not some of it, not most of it, cast all of it on me because he cares for you. Philippians chapter four says, verse six, be anxious for nothing. Now we know anxious, we know that Paul's not saying, you don't have to worry about being anxious. We, we know that that's not, like you, you may have heard maybe a pastor say, hey, being anxious means you're in sin. No, that's not it. Anxiety comes no matter what, we know that. Anxiety, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But when anxiety comes, God's comforts always follow. But here we're gonna see how that works. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer, and supplications, that means giving things over to God with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So it means when your anxious thoughts come, who are you sharing them with? You may say, a friend. Okay, but is God in that list? If God's at the bottom, then you've got a problem. If God's somewhere in your top five, you're doing pretty good. If God's in your number one slot, then I'm going to guess your anxiety goes away pretty quick. I can tell you for me, anxiety does not have control of my life. It comes, yes, but it does not have control. It comes, but it doesn't reign as king because God's got that spot. 
Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you, God says. Do not anxiously look about you. God's like, I haven't, I haven't left. It's sort of like that kid that all of a sudden is in the middle of a crowd and they're looking so frantically for their parents when their parents are standing just a few feet away and they see their kid freaking out. And I've been there. I've seen my kids like, where's mom and dad? And I'm able to be right there and say, hey, I'm right here. You're looking for me? Yes, there you are. Because when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your comforts delight my soul. God says, do not anxiously look about, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my right hand. Do you see all those I wills? God says, I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. I will help you. And this is all done by my right hand. So remember, anxiety is going to come. It's going to come. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But when anxiety comes, know this. When you are a child of God, his comforts are always soon to follow. Always. This is something my counselor taught me. Something I want you to add to a mantra, something you work on, something that your mind helps you go to. And this has helped me. I can't. When anxiety comes, I say this. I can't. God can. So I'm going to let him. I can't. But God, you can. So I'm going to let you. Because God, your presence, your promises, your people, your provision, and your power will bring comfort to my soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. God, thank you that you are a faithful God. You are faithful even when we are not. God, you are good even when we can't be. God, you are always there even when we feel like we are all alone. And God, I pray for those of us who are struggling with our anxiety right now, Lord. If we need to get outside help, God, I pray that we would do so. We would not be embarrassed or ashamed, but we would realize, God, that you have gifted people to help. God, I pray that we would trust in your presence, that we trust in your promises, that we trust in, in the people, Lord, that you've brought us in your provision and your power. God, that you are a good God who does great things. And right now, if you are watching, and you've never put your faith in Jesus. And you are maybe one of those people that I told you, if you don't believe in God, then none of this is going to help you. You'll go, oh my God, I need this. You can. There's no magic thing. There's not, I don't want your money. I don't, I don't want anything from you. But I'm going to let you know that Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. He died on a cross for you to, to set you free and, and to be your God, to be your Savior, to be your friend to be your king and Lord. You see, God doesn't just want to be your friend because we can have a misunderstanding of a friend, but God wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your father. He wants to be the person that we can look to and trust. And so if that's you, if you want to put your faith in Jesus, pray with me and say, Jesus, 
God, I want your comforts to delight my soul. Jesus, forgive me for not trusting. Forgive me for not believing and help me now to live for you. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross. I trust you. God, I ask, I pray for each and every one of us, God, that, that we would trust you with our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityU app on the App Store.